Recording in progress. Yeah. Ayo, Shrek. How you gonna come up with something like this, man? Yeah. When this come on, they gonna be like, Up when you let me in, uh, told your best friend you wanted me. Wow. Then she called me up and hit me to your sticks. Uh, told me you were looking for a guy like me, so uh, I said, Oh, no, uh, I'm the one. Uh, Unless sure they really wanna have some fun. Uh, but she said that you told her I was what you want. Uh, when I call you, don't try to run. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another edition of This Is Recorded Podcast. I'm here with a director, creator. Man, this dude's confidence, man. That's all. I, I'm gonna have to probably name this the confidence, man. It's just out of this world, man. Please introduce yourself to the world. Give me your socials where they can find you. Yo, yeah, it's Sky Directs, the one and only, man. You can find me online, Sky Directs. Okay, all right, all right. So, and that's the socials as well. Yeah, at Sky Directs. Yeah, S K Y Directs with an S. Okay, I got you. I got you. So. The soundtrack to your life, man. What was it like growing up? The music in your life and what was played in your household and what music did you get into on your own? Uh, I was a cornball. I didn't really like music growing up. My my mom and sisters was always playing music and I just hated the, to hear music in the car for some reason. I feel like it distracted me. So when I grew up in like junior high school, I was listening to like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. You know, I was more on the, on the pop side. And then I went to AV. I went to the I went to the hip hop side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For people that don't know, man, AV and Lancaster is two different worlds. Like, as far as high schools go, like Lancaster was a little bit nicer. It still has some hood dudes. Shout out to the people I know, Robin on the podcast, all those people. But AV was rough. It was AV, really AV rough. was rough. And what's crazy is my uh my girl's telling me she was like um. Uh, they used to call AB African Village, and I just started laughing. Like, yeah, I could see that. We was running, we was running like some wild animals at school, man. It was crazy. It's so crazy because it, I do remember that now that you say that because it was like it was more a privilege to go to Lancaster, and AV was like literally wild, wild, like wild, like out of this world, yeah. man. What, yeah. What can you say about Lancaster, man? Like in your life, and uh, like what you learned from Lancaster. Um, I mean, the way I grew up in Lancaster was, uh, I, I try to grow out of Lancaster and, 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 uh, but being in the city, I loved it because it was just like, you know, it was, it was ghetto. It was black people running around, going to Walmart, wearing pajamas. It was just like, yo, this is, this is like free for all. Like no one cared about anything, but just running the streets. Um, I mean, it was just hood. I mean, at a time at high school, I had a, I had a, uh, my popsy had got me a Hummer. So I was like that kid that was like, looked like I was balling and shit. I really wasn't. I had like barely $10 for gas. You know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't balling. My dad just gave me an expensive car, but I was riding through the city and just enjoyed the, uh, you know, the culture of the, of the gang banging, the culture of the, of the wild and out. And you know, you know what AV is, man. If you don't know what AV is, you don't want to know what AV is, but you know, it taught me, it taught me like the uh you know how to stay down in the trenches and, and get out. You know, it was like the mud, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, man. A V is like cause I went to Lancaster for ninth and tenth and then for eleventh and graduated, I went to A V and I was like, it is a world of a difference. But A V was, you know, it gave me a chance because like 
Lancaster had the block schedule where you only have three classes a day. My attention span was not built for that at all. I got to right. get my little 40 minutes in and get out, man. So shout out to AV. But since you were, <laughs> since you were a director, though, man, what was some of the movies like when you was growing up that really caught your eye? Like, man, I want to make something like that one day. Um, I wasn't even on a level of like, I want to make something like that, but I was always interested in like E.T., uh, Steven Spielberg type movies. Um, he, he always, I love, I love like, um, John Williams, uh, he's a sound composer who makes the music for, for, for majority of Steven Spielberg movies. So I was always a fan of like the music. Um, it was crazy cause I didn't like music growing up as a kid, but I was a fan of like orchestra, like more of that type of music. Um, so just like watching his movies and watching that, how it could, you know, make you feel and how, how deep it was and really was, I, I was a fan of like his movies and I became a fan of like Michael Bay type action movies. Um, um, but I never took, I never took it and watched it. it was like, yo, I want to, I want to, I want to make movies back then until like, I, I actually put a camera in my hands. It was like, oh, okay. Um, maybe I can do something like that and create something interesting like, like those guys. Man. That's just amazing because, like, that's rare where you hear somebody who's like, oh, I don't really like music, but I like the composer. But I think that's just the way your brain works. Your brain works different, and it sees different, and it's going successful for you right now because of what you're doing that you didn't think like everybody else. You thought your own way, man. And what I can say for you, you always had great confidence. Like, I always admire, like, we played basketball together and I was trash, yeah. like super trash. But the thing was, is that like when I played on the street, all the confidence in the world, but getting in front of people, it like shook me up. I used to score no points. I would play defense because you ain't really on like display like that. But you would come in right. to 10 points, get the skies, man, and just let him do his thing. And it just was like, yo, it was crazy. Like, where do you get that confidence from? Like, um, I think it developed. Well, I, I mean, from my father, even though he wasn't around that much in my life as a child, but uh, his, his entrepreneur spirit always was around it, and his coaching and leadership was 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 always vetted in me. Then he used to have me get in, get up in front of stages and talk to people at, at a young age and talk about the business of what he put me in and and, and be, be a, become a leader. So that kind of broke my, my shyness. And then I was like, yo, I got to make money. So um, I used to do stuff like where I sell candy. I had the school selling candy for me as far as like certain girls in the school sell candy for me. And then I took it a step further and was on a Metrolink and I was selling candy on a Metrolink and you got to talk to people. So I was like, man, I'm going to just not be afraid and just talk to people. At the end of the day, it's just people, you know, we all bleed the same. So, you know, I just taught myself not to be afraid to just, to just talk in large groups. Yeah, I mean, I just always admired that about you. It's just like you could be in your own world, your own zone, and you just had this ultimate confidence. He's the ultimate hustler. I was like, I have to ask him, like, where did he get that from? It's a blessing because, like, I feel like at an older age, I'm finding my voice as far as, like, disagreements and stuff like that. It's like speaking up for yourself and, like, oh, I don't like this and I'm not going for that. But, like, for you, you always had that confidence at such a young age, it's so commendable that you have that in that hustle spirit. I think that's amazing, man. Yeah, you gotta start early. It's kinda it's kinda difficult to start it late, especially nowadays where we live in, in in this world now. But like it gotta start early. So I kinda enforce it with my own two boys I got. Um but my dad, you know, he he pretty much put that that hustle energy in, into my into my heart, you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, yeah, that Hummer. We was like, man, the, see, it's like faking it till you make Because we thought, like, man, he got it on his own probably because he always into something. We Nobody knew. Like, oh, he ain't had no money to put it in. Nobody knew that. He yeah. was like, yo, he got it, man, for real. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing, man. So what was, like, the first project you worked on that you was like, I think I could do this. I think I'm going to really put some time and effort and 10,000 hours into this filming. Yeah. What was that first um, thing? It was uh it was working with Nick Cannon. Like in high school, I got an opportunity. Um, a friend of the family named Big Dave, I, I hit him up and was like, yo, I got this camera. I'm trying to I'm trying to get into the game and and I know you're working with Nick Cannon. Can you see if you can hook something up? And he had called me like a year later and was like, Yo, Nick's doing this uh while and out season two, and um you can come down and, and be a part of it, bring your camera. I'm like, oh, for sure, bet. So I get down in LA at the at the Relapse Studios and I got my camera. He didn't really give me no instructions. He just said, just come. So I'm kind of walking around, like not knowing what I could do, but I guess I have full range, do whatever I wanted to do. And I ended up running up to uh, Nick Cannon's hairstylist, Anthony Cherry. And he was like, what you doing? I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm, I don't even know. I'm just here with a camera about to see what's up. He was like, well shit, film me. And um, pretty much Anthony Cherry kind of created this show on the, on the set was like, um, I want you to uh, film me. I'm going to interview the guest speakers or the guest stars that's coming on the show. So we was interviewing like Pretty Ricky, Bill Duvall, like everybody that came on the show. And I was filming him. And that became my like my position. And then I go back home, edit it, throw it up on YouTube. And then like two days later, Nick found about it. He was like, yo, he had his assistant, Danielle, reach out to me. and was like, yo, who's this cat filming behind the scenes on YouTube? What's going on? And uh, I thought I was in trouble, but Danielle was like, yo, Nick want to meet you. I was like, all right, bet. So I went back up there um, and I met up with him. And he was, you know, just trying to figure me out. And, and then he loved the energy of the hustle and the fact that I just was doing it. You know what I'm saying? So he took me under his wings. And once he gave me, you know, that confidence of like, yo, man, you know, it's an open court for you to do what you want. Um, that's when I kind of was like, yo, this is this is what I want to do. I want to I want to get into this film world and and. and you know, I don't know what I'm going to do in it. I don't know if it's going to be movies. I wasn't even thinking on that high scale, but I was like, I want to do filming, like whatever that looks like. And that was like my start. Man, that's an amazing story. You know, and like networking and just having people and just getting that shot, man, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right place, right time. You never know. Like that Kanye documentary is amazing because it's like, hey, I'm going to follow him with a camera. And it's like, you were almost on that, like, hey, I'm just going to come show up and I'm going to just try something. And it leads you to these different opportunities. What opportunities did you get from doing that? I'm sure a lot. Yeah, I w um, it wasn't even what's crazy was the Nick Cannon was I became like his personal videographer for like two years. And then I was at uh, I was at uh, what is it called? Uh, House of Blues on, on Hollywood Boulevard, I believe. And I had the camera there and I was just, I was just like that kid with a big ass camera because I had the Canon XL too. And back then it was like this big, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just a little ass dude walking around with this big ass camera looking like, you know what I'm saying? Like, who is this kid? So I was on this, uh, I was on um, House of Blues and I was just maneuvering around getting my networks and my connections up. So I got invited to, uh, to attend, the, uh, I think it was Pretty Ricky and B2K performance. And they uh, new manager Kuda Love was there, and he had his his uh, his uh, driver assistant reach out to me and was like, "Yo, what's up? What you what you do?" I was like, "Man, I'm a videographer, Nick Cannon. This is you know, this is what I do." So they they got my number, and he called me like the next day. Was like, um, 
my man's cool to love want to meet meet you. I didn't know who he was at the time, but he was like, I want to talk to you about this TV show. So I was like, bet, pull up to Beverly Hills at this mansion. And this was my first, like, pretty much my first kind of like job outside of Nick Cannon. And then they was like, yo, we want, you know, B2K is, is breaking up and the, the boys want to create a reality show. We just want you to follow them around and make something out of it. So I'm like, all right, bet. Now, I didn't get paid nothing at all to do this. And I still lived in Lancaster. These boys was in Beverly Hills. That's so every day I would uh, I would drive and they'd give me like 40, 50 bucks for gas to get back home and back forth. And my mom be like, yo, what are you doing this for? Like, stop, go get a job. I'm like, look, mom, this this ain't easy, but I'm going to continue to do this. And uh, every day I'll go out, film them, and then I go back home and edit. And then I edit and throw it up on YouTube without their permission. I was just kind of just freestyling my same little method I did with Nick. And um, them boys got like 500,000 views back then and word got around and Warner Brothers wanted to pick up the show. So they was like, yo, Warner Brothers want to pick up this show. We want you to continue to film. And, and they had me, like, that was my pay. Like I finally got paid like 3,500 a week to start filming the boys at, you know, at, um, uh, the B2K boys. And I called the show Life at the B2K. So they kept the name. And that was like my first, like first network uh, or, or my first like big opportunity, opportunity outside of Nick that led, you know, into another opportunity. Man, so that is just, these stories are amazing, man. So how did you learn how to edit? How did you teach yourself? Because it was the beginning of YouTube. It was the beginning of like, like you said, you had a big old camera and stuff. What type of things did you do for somebody trying to get new? They have more tools now, but what did you back, what did you do back then to like help you learn and learn how to edit and learn how to shoot and what lighting and what settings yeah. and all that? What did you do? Uh, it, it really started back in AV. I mean, if I didn't go to AV, I don't know if I would be where I'm at today. But my sister was taking this film class by uh, this teacher named Mr. Wee Hunt. And I was um, running around doing my own thing, not paying attention. She was like, yo, you should take this film class. I'm like, for what? I'm like, nah, you know, I'm, I'm busy selling candy, making money, son. What are you talking about? You know, and she's like, no, nah, you really should, really should take it. So I ended up taking a class and then I'm like, man, this is boring. I'm like, I don't because I'm not like I, I can't I can't focus with words like I got to I got to be active visually. You know what I'm saying? So my teacher was like, Mr. Weehan was like, yo, I'm going to give you the camera. You go out, do your own thing. And then um, and just just stay in it. Just try it out. So so I was like, bet I'm going to do that. So he gave me the camera. And this is where African Village really played a role because I was out there filming all the high school fights. Um, at lunchtime, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, yo, this is fun. And I was, I'll throw the Cassie. So I'll go back, I'll film at lunchtime, film the fight, all the fights, all them big riots and stuff. And I go back at, after lunch to uh, class and I take like a Cassie beat and put it up. I edit it and I, I, I cut up the scenes and stuff and put the music up. And I go back like the next day and show them, you know, all the cats that was fighting. Like, look, they was loving it. So I was like, dang, this is actually a good feeling. You know what I'm saying? And then that kind of caught my interest. And then from there, I was like, you know, Mr. Weehan allowed me to just really do whatever I wanted. Like there was a real thing going on in class and there was Sky going on with his own shit, uh, you know, to the side. Yeah. And um, I filmed my first music video at school where I used the Hummer. I used the school as my platform pretty much. I, I brought my Hummer up on in the lunch and, and filmed the Usher music video and stuff and, and go back and edit it. And uh, what's the crazy thing why would you ask me about how to learn how to edit? I learned how to edit by way of uh, teaching myself. And, and back then, Final Cut is what I edit on. It used to delete. 
And when it deleted all my work that day, I would get frustrated. I'd be like, dang, but if I really want to do this, I got to keep figuring it out. So I'm telling you, my project got deleted about 10, 20 times, but it just kept, but I, something about it where I loved it so much, I just kept doing it. So it didn't matter to me. And, and that's what taught me how to edit. That's what taught me in school. AV taught me how to film and edit. And that's, you know, where it really started from. And man, it's so amazing. Like when you say that, cause I tell my wife, or I tell somebody like, it really used to be riots. Like, I don't think you understand. Like, like, no, like really like 10 people over yeah. here, 15 people over here. Yeah. <laughs> and if you get caught by yourself yeah. and it was like from the yeah. jails, like black and Mexican riots, man, it was like so crazy. Yeah. It would be at both schools. So when you say that, it's like people are going to listen to this and be like, yo, Reg was really telling the truth. Like it was oh, really yeah. riots for real. Like, it was wild, wild. <laughs> it was wild. I loved it though. It was it was my energy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it uh, was just like, yeah. but you was a happy dude. Like you ain't bother nobody. So it's just like me and you was the same way. It's like we're not in the midst of it, but it's just like, hey, we watching, you know, because it's kind of entertaining for a young kid, man. But AV was boy, it was wild and like. For you know, shout out to that teacher, and that's the thing about these low income schools or a school that would be considered African villages that like it's somebody that can see something in you and like, mm -hmm. hey, just try this. Cause you, he's like, okay, well maybe he don't like reading and doing all this stuff because it's boring. So let's give him something else. So shout out yeah. to him, man. Shout out to Mr. Wee Hunt, and shout out to all those yeah. teachers trying to make a difference, man. My uh, father in law, Phil Stark, man, he tries, man. To, Help these younger, you know, kids that's in the ghettos or in these rough right. neighborhoods, man. Like, it's important, man. And, I, you know, I know you'll do the same thing for somebody. If you see potential in them, like, they got to really show it. Like, you – and also not giving up, not quitting. Because today, like, if somebody put a video up and don't get a million views out the gate, they're going to quit. But for you, yeah. it's like my joint get deleted every night. And I still want to do it because it's interesting. So it's something about that perseverance that's great. Yeah, it's those life challenges that everybody gets faced with. No matter like what business career or life life you know um, position you in, everybody gets faced with those type of moments of like where you know it's just you against the world and you got to make a decision to either move forward on doing what you believe in or whatever that is, or or or, or just call it quits at this point. It's like the um, it's like the mud phase, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to figure out how to get out the mud if you really believe in what you got going on. And at that time, it wasn't a career option for me. It was more of a, like, I wasn't looking at, like, this is what I want to do in life. This was more just, like, what I enjoy doing. And I was like, damn, if I enjoy it so much, I ain't going to trip too much about this edit. And, uh, man, I, I got faced with that making this movie, Run Nixon, where I was writing a script. Um, and I, I the uh, the if you, if you write something on Mac in a guest account, 24 hours later, it gets deleted. And I didn't know this. And I was, I wrote the whole script, 80 pages on the notes and it got deleted. And uh, I called Apple and I was like, what's going on? It was like, yep, that's what happened with guessing. There's nothing they could do. So I was like, damn, damn. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, if you imagine writing, like, I'm not even a writer. I didn't believe in myself enough to be a writer. But when I wrote that, I was, you know, I feel accomplished. But it brought me back to high school when I was at that same time. I was like, damn, if you, if you, you know what I'm saying? If you remember back then, like, it, kind of ain't got no choice if you really want to do this. Like, it ain't going to, ain't nobody going to come knock on your door with a script. So what you want to do? So I had to, you know, suck it up and go, you know, go back to the drawing board and rewrite the whole script. Um, 
but yeah, those challenges really can t- take you down and put you into that into that that blank space if you don't, you know, move on it. You know what I'm saying? Really and truly, man. Now, Run Nixon, could you get us give us a little taste of what it's yeah. about and what you working on? When can we expect it? These things like that, you know. Tell us. So I see you got the hat, Run Nixon. We get. Yeah, I got the I got the merch, man. The Run Nixon merch. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm Run Nixon all the way up, man. I even got a. All right, it's a backpack, man. I ain't playing no games. Yes, sir. And that's yeah. Fizz right there, right? Yeah, that's Fizz. Yeah, that's Fizz, yeah. Little Fizz for ladies and gentlemen, B2K. B2K. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So now, is that a connection from, did he remember you from when you were shooting? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. So, yeah. Run Nixon, man, can you tell us a little bit about a sneak peek? Yeah, so Ryan Nixon is about a boy uh, with a bad heart, and um, he gets rushed to the hospitals, and the parents got to figure out how to pay for his heart transplant. So the mom, she works at a strip club, and um, this guy named Slice, which is the brother of the strip club, comes in there with a duffel bag of money, and she overhears a conversation. And uh, when the doctor says she has to pay for this surgery, and the, and the dad and the mom don't got the insurance to cover it, she's kind of thinking like, She's, she's thinking of a plot where she can rob this, take this money, steal this money from the uh, strip club. So she actually does that on one side and she tells the other side, which is the dad, that she doesn't, that she pays, the, the insurance uh, covered it. So she lies about it. But um, the guy that she took the money from goes to jail. So she thinks she's free and clear. Uh, he comes back out two years later and he's looking for his shit and she, he finds out she takes it. So he takes her son uh, hostage for the money. And now that dad got 24 hours to come up with the money or figure out how to get his son back before it's too late. Wow, man. And where can we see this at when you finish with it? Um, I mean, I'm going to do uh, everything I can to possibly do a theatrical release. Um, uh, Netflix uh, is is the main top of the food chain where I definitely want to get it on. Um, I already got talks of like Hulu and, you know, the other type of platforms. But definitely uh, Netflix is, is, is the goal. Man, the ultimate hustle, man. Can't wait to see it, man. Cause that's it's amazing. I think I've seen on your page a little preview, if I remember. Yeah. Cause I seen Fizz in it, but I don't know if that was something else that you. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that. So it was, I mean, the Ryan Nixon story is crazy. How even behind the scenes of how like I made the movie and um, I was damn near homeless, and I had to go. Move, me and my family had to go move in. Uh, my wife and my two kids had to go move in with uh, my dad. Um, we lost everything, so we had to go back to ground zero, and that's where I wrote the script at at, at my dad's house in my little sister's room with a blow-up bed. Like that's where it really started from was a blow-up bed. And uh, and long story short, like I had after I wrote it, I went to go try to raise the money for it, and I had a lot of people that was interested in it, and it was like create a trailer. So that's where I had sold my car, went to L.A. And I filmed in two days the trailer that you see on the Instagram right now. And um, I edited, created it, made it look like it was like a full scope movie. But it was really like 10 pages is what we had filmed. That's all I could afford. And people, you know, they, they seemed like they loved it. If you go through the comments, like 2,000 comments, they all said they loved it. And I didn't have the money. Even they asked me, this is what they want me to do and, and go create a trailer and whatever. I created a trailer, got a fan base, a whole nine yards and still didn't get the money for it for that year. So I kind of gave up um, until I moved to Vegas during the pandemic and was like, man, I got to figure out how to make that movie back in. Um, I met up with this dude named Brian Cooper, who's uh, one of the producers on the film. And he kind of got me back in the trenches and we went to go location scout without the money. But we were location scout and we just start putting it putting together. And I ran into the investor, the first investor, which is uh, Stephen Liu, 
who put up 30k for the movie and um and he owns the strip club which is where we where we filmed the movie at but he believed in me and the project so much he was like man i'm gonna put up i'm gonna put up the money and then finally i got kuda love which is a old manager from um, b2k he put up the rest of the money and then i put up i had i had actually bought a bentley for a low for a low price sold that bentley and i put up the rest of the money so we, then we made Run Nixon. And now, now literally we're in the middle of uh, finishing up the edit and then uh, getting it ready for the film festival. So it's like one of those movies that's just like one of them blood, sweat and tears got put into it. And it's been a long journey coming. But I think this is going to be like my first like official like big movie for the world. And man, and that perseverance and that confidence like this whole podcast is about confidence because it's like I don't know how you just – like, it's just, with you, it's always been a light. I think for a lot of people, they can't figure, they're like, how does he get money? Does he do this? Does Like, what does he do? But what nobody can never go is that confidence. It's like, yo, what is, like, how do you keep yourself up? Like, it seemed like you never get too down. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, it, speaking of that Kanye West documentary, like, I feel like I, I was I was born with a gift. Uh, I mean, I got a tech background. I got an entrepreneurship background. I could write, produce, direct, edit, film, um, network. I got so much to give to the world where I feel like I can't just become like a regular person who goes to work at Target and not to down some, you know, the, the employees that work at Target and regular jobs. But I just got too much to give to the world where it's like, you know, it's, it doesn't make sense for me to just quit and just become a regular daily. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So it's like that type of that type of mind thought for me keeps me all, always going until I, until I make it in. And I'm the type that's never happy. You know what I'm saying? So even when I do make it like like when I made this movie, everybody's congratulating and they're celebrating and they like, cool, you finally made it. And I feel like. I feel like I still ain't complete. Like, even though I made it and it was a mission to get the money, I never thought I was going to be able to make it because of all the little downfalls. But after making it, I'm already on the next page. You know, I'm already working on the next script, the next film. And, like, that movie's already damn near level one for me. You know, I'm already on level three. But, you know, I don't know what it is. I just feel like, you know, just so much, so much, so much shit I got to do in this world. And for this world, it's like, I, you know, it just keeps me always on track and always going. Yeah, and what about, like, that betting on yourself, too, of, like, selling your stuff or moving back home, doing what you got to do, but still, like, having that belief in yourself? Because I feel like a lot of people, like, it's like the next step is right there. It's just you got to show me that you're willing to jump, and I'll give you the parachute. But most of us, we're not willing to take that jump. We don't want to quit that job. We don't want to sell this thing we attach to. What is it about you that, like, you could bet on yourself? Like, man, man, that's 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 the thing too. A lot of people probably won't make it because they're afraid to bet on themselves and take that jump. But to me, I'm like so um so into myself and what I believe I can do and, and the shit that I could create. I know it's way better sauce than what's out there. I take that as like my first step, and then I look at my my uh, peers who's doing it, and I'm like, yo, um, like my man said, Hassani Johnson, Hassani, he has a movie on um, Hulu called Takeout Girl. And um, at the time I had, I had the Bentley and I had no movie, no, no investors. And I was like, damn, what's more important to me? You know what I'm saying? For me to be chilling on the couch, having a Bentley outside or for me to have a movie on Hulu. Like what, what do I really want? So I was like, man, fuck the Bentley. And that was a big goal for me is to get a Bentley. Like I always wanted one in high school. Um, But after I got it, I was like, man, fuck the Bentley. I'm bigger than the Bentley. So 
you know, I did whatever it took. I, you know, I got on a mission just to sell, sell whatever. Cause I, I, I know what I could do, you know, just the level of, you know, I'm a billion dollar type of person. And, and the only thing that's stopping me is me. And that's, that's what anybody, the only thing that's stopping you is you. If you can't wake up today and, and start on what you, what you got in your head, what you created or what you dreamed about, um, it's not going to happen. Ain't no one knocking on no doors nowadays and just giving you a, a opportunity. Like you got to do whatever it takes to, uh, to, to, to make it in. I think the, the key thing is being consistent. Um, if you're not consistent at, at whatever it is, you never will make it. Bottom line, never will make it. So that's just the first step, just be consistent. And I really think that consistency is it because even like that's why people love Nipsey Hussle so much is because it's like they seen when he was lower level and they see him just elevate, elevate, yeah. elevate. He just kept getting higher and higher even to the point I was talking to um my cousin uh, Duke and I was like, damn man, like his last couple raps that came out after he died, you could tell lyrically he was going to a whole nother zone. But it's yeah. sad because it's like we didn't get to see the full potential of it because he passed. But like lyrically, you know, fuck rap. I'm a street legend. I was born in the C section. Like you, like damn. Like who thought of that? Like that. That don't yeah. even sound. Five years ago, ten years that he didn't rap like that. It was just like. West Coast, hardcore rap. I'm a crib. I'm from shit like, but then when he's elevating and stuff like that and saying, putting words together, still being true to himself, but learning how to manipulate the words to his will, it was amazing. And it's just like consistency. Consistency, I think consistency is knocking at the door until somebody answers. That's almost sum it up, man. You got to stay consistent, man, for sure, for sure. Yeah, because if you're not, and I look at, you know, if, if anybody can just look at their surroundings and say, damn, who's consistent at whatever it is and what type of results they get from it, then that's kind of where you can you can kind of gain belief because a lot of people got to see it to believe it. Um, so one of my boys, uh, uh, Christian, he owns a, a, a custom rap shop. And my man's came over to my house and did my rams and, and, and started from a very small level. And now, I mean, he got two Lamborghinis, a, a 10,000 square foot warehouse. He's doing all the custom. But I've seen him consistent from like four years ago, start from like the bottom, like that Nipsey Hustle effect, from like the ground floor all the way up to just building a team to get in his warehouse and getting everything that he wanted. I was like, if he had side-veered and did like, you know, rims and then maybe sold cars and then cut hair and then, you know, was trying to be a rapper and, and you know what I'm saying, trying to do so much, it was it it it, it distracts you. It's like you got to be consistent at one main thing, whatever that is, and that's what's going to take you to you know the next level and open up the doors for whatever you know you're trying to do. And I learned that too for myself. It's like yo, I can focus in on one thing and target that until it gets done. I can take an idea in my head and, and make it become reality, which is like how about the Bentley. And, you know, you know, no matter how long it takes, but as long as I'm, you know, on track onto that, being consistent onto making it happen, it's going to happen no matter what. It's just a matter of time when it does happen. Now, at that point in your life, what were you doing to get the Bentley? Because I seen you at one point on Sway in the morning, back when the hover rounds was like really a big thing. So, what yeah, yeah like, around that like time? The, 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 I got the Bentley on um, uh, a year ago. And I bought the Bentley because I had created this software called IG Mass DMs. Like I said, I got a tech background and um, I created a software pretty much that does like mass DMs. And I had got some clients where I made about like 20, 30 grand off of that, off of the software. And um, I used that money. So my money was going down and I was like, damn, I don't want to, I don't want to make this money and not make it make sense. Um, 
So I pretty much made an investment into a Bentley where I made sure I got it lowered in the value. And then it was like a, I had to fix it up a little bit to make it dope. And, and that's what I did. I invested into it. And then, you know, it became, it became a literally sitting asset for me at the time of whenever I needed it, it was going to make sense for me to utilize it. And that just was one of the smart investments I I, I did. Oh, in which ways were you using it? Um, I use it for the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For Ron Nixon. Yeah, for Ron Nixon. So so that's why I was saying I was sitting on the couch. I was watching my man's movie on, on, on Hulu. And I was asking myself, I was like, damn, I got a Bentley outside, but I don't got no movie on Hulu. I was like, what do I want more? It's like one or the other. You got to make a decision. Well, for me, because I don't, I didn't have money where I could be like, had a Bentley and, and that, like, I feel like God always puts me at these, like, these workout phases where it's like, yo, you got to really go in the gym to get, to get bigger. It's like, I'm not about to just give you the money for the Bentley and the money for the, for the movie. And what's crazy is I had the investor for the movie. I had two but I still needed about 30 grand to finish it. And which is what the value of the asset of my, uh, my car was. And I had to make that executive decision was like, damn, I can't, I filmed this much movie, but I need 30 K more to finish the rest of the movie. What do I do? Ain't nobody else come my door, give me this money. So that's why I said, I'm, I'm going to sell this car because that's, that's what I believe more in is, is, is the movie and, and me and, and everybody who's in, who's involved in it uh, than that damn car outside. Yeah, man, and, and what's so important too is that you have a family and you're raising it, a beautiful family. What kind of things do you like to instill in your kids to about confidence and like just as they go through life and they grow and they face those obstacles, what do you try to put in them? Yeah, the biggest thing is just like start early. Um, you know, uh, start early because once you, I, I tell my son all the time, you don't want to be twenty twenty five trying to figure it out like that. At that point, especially. 10 to 15 years from now, like the world is going to be different. Like gas is $6 a gallon. Now you don't want to be 2025 20, trying to figure it out. Start early, start, start developing that, that mindset now to start creating, um, testing different things and figuring out what you like, but implement it as a business versus just like a hobby. Um, and, 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 and just, I, I, I speak a lot of business words around my son and, and, and make sure he understands the math and numbers. Um, and just be, it, 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 everything with business is numbers. So, so I, I really focus on, on the numbers, the business, the dedication, the determination. I make sure my kids understand what to know what I do so they can see like, OK, my father does this and this is what he does. And they can, you know, I tell them, like, yo, we start, I started from ground zero with the movie. They, I mean, they've been through everything up and down with us, but um, I, I paint the picture. I don't hide it. You know what I'm saying? Or I, they see I, I, I explain to them what's going on when we had the downs, the middles and the ups so that they can understand this is what it looks like as an entrepreneur versus someone that has to go work for somebody. So they get it. You know what I'm saying? And that's so important that you show them all aspects, because I think with the hustlers and the people that live free and free thinkers and create art is that it's highs and it's lows and there's yeah. middles and there's everything. Yeah. But you know, and it's also good to expose them to a lot and just be honest with them as much as their little brains can handle right now. You know, just be honest to a certain extent and just let them know. And it's important for them to be exposed and give them that freedom to whatever they want to do, like to know, hey, dad got you like I'm backing you, whatever you want to do. Uh, let's do it together. Let's figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Like my son, he has this um, clothing line called Battle Anime. And that's basically where he took like Dragon Ball Z versus all the anime characters like Naruto, um, and he put them in a, in a t-shirt. So they got like this, uh, it's like a, a Street Fighter setting where you got battle anime versus uh, like a Naruto character. 
So, you know, that's one of his companies that he developed. Um, so, so yeah, it's just about like get them, you know, get them acclimated with the, with the business mindset at an early age. So they don't got to figure out, you know, at my age. Wow, man. It, now is this like, is merch or is it like a, a gaming thing or anything? It's merch. Yeah. So right now it's like shirts, beanies, hats. Okay. Is there any way we could get it? Can can you give the people the information? So they oh can yeah. Uh, battleanime.com. Okay. Battleanime.com. Everybody yeah. go get that, man. That is important, man. So what's some movies that, uh, what's the last movie you watched that really like intrigued you and like had your brain like, that was interesting or that was good or just something you like? What's the last good movie? Uh, last good movie? Cause see, I'm like an old head. I really don't watch. I, I watch these new movies to figure out what, you know, what I like about them and, and see where they're going with them. Um, so I can stay current, but I really ain't watch. I really haven't watched a new movie that really caught my attention. Like, yo, this is one of my favorite movies. Um, well, I like one, movie. one of your favorites, I guess, or what of any genre. Uh, yeah, time. yeah. I mean, I mean, I like movies like Catch Me If You Can. Um, that is a very underrated movie. People, yeah, people yeah. I'm more, I'm more on them. Yeah, I'm more on them type of like uh, mission related type of movies. You know what I'm saying? Things like uh, like The Founder, um, about the McDonald Founder. Like I, I like I like those type of like motivated um, pursuit of happiness type of movies. Those those are you know my type of movies. Something that can inspire me to keep me going. Like when I watched the Kanye West documentary, I was like, yo, that, you know, I can see, I can see, you know, the similar traits of me and Kanye West, uh, what we got as far as staying motivated, staying hungry and and staying like uh, uh, consistent on what we're trying to, trying to get accomplished. So anything on that type of level, like if I, if I could be the one to create, uh, um, because I'm a biopic type of director, um, I would do a Kanye West movie. I really want to do a Diddy, a Diddy movie, um, because that boy right there is, you know, legend that what he created. If it wasn't for Diddy, we wouldn't have like you know all the the famous singers that we got. But you yeah, know, yeah. those are my type of movies. And he, him, and you, that mentality is like he is just like the greatest. I remember he told a story about um, he was trying to pitch something to Russell Simmons, and Russell uh-huh. Simmons was big on treadmills and working out and all that. And he was like, "I'll let you do it if you could keep up with me." And Diddy said he damn near fell off of it. Because he was like, I'm not going to quit. I want it so bad. Like, he would go and run to go get some coffee for somebody and run back. He would do anything back in them days, man. He was just like, but he was also super confident. So, somebody, when he was in Uptown Records, Andre Harrell fired him, but he always paid him. But he fired him because he knew Puff, like, mind was too big for where he was at. And these people didn't understand him and these uh, corporate setting so he fired him but he always paid him and then that gave him the drive to create bad boy records and he was around all the great minds and he was around the industry but his drive just like yours like y'all would connect and do very well because he just doesn't give up and even like the music he hasn't really been doing much in music the past 10 15 years but Ciroc you know but revolt yeah. this that like he knows yeah. like, how to keep going, man. He just puts a vision in his head and he don't stop. Have you ever seen that uh, clip when he was talking and he was like, I want to get my video on TRL. Can you please bump me up to number one, please? And he like hung up the phone and was like, I'm a savage. I'm a savage. Yeah, man. That, that, give, me, give me anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that, that drive, man, is just like, 
it, it, it's amazing, man. And like the biopics and stuff, it, like, and I think we live in that era right now, realism. Like people want to know the real story, not the fabricated, not what I heard. They want to know the highs, the lows, the ups and downs. So I think the lane you going in is a great lane for sure. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Nah, yeah, it is. Um, on biopics, I mean, the Renixon is a is a uh, it's a part biopic of, of my uncle who passed away about uh, he had heart failure and he passed away from a, a heart failure. So um, it's fictional, non-fictional, but you know, I really like the uh, true story type type movies. Um, I'm working on some big movies right after this one, so you know, the biopics would definitely be my lane. You know, I'm like the new John Singleton in this game. You know, what I'm saying I'm a I'm gonna give you that John Singleton old flavor with with a with a a, a touch of like that Steven Spielberg, you know, man, um type of movie. I love that. I love that, man, because like John Singleton means so much to the culture. Steven Spielberg means a lot to a lot of people as far as big movies goes. So yeah. if you could find that perfect balance and be you, you know, yeah. Yeah, that'll be like, yo, he's the yeah. next one, man. So in the future, uh, like what other genres that people might be surprised that you might want to work in or type of movie you might want to do? I didn't think I was going to be a, a horror type type of director. Um, and so it kept dawning on me. Uh, my man, uh, Sonny, he wrote a horror film called What Are You Afraid Of? about like two years, three years ago. And um, he pitched it to me and I finally got it financed. Uh, and that's the next movie we're working on. And I was like, I never thought I'd be like a horror director. And so I was thinking like, if I want to do something that's going to be a box office um, and be like a, a timeless piece, I know I got to center it around a holiday. Um, and the holidays, everybody really likes it. It's Halloween and Christmas. Um, so so I was like, you know, horror wouldn't be bad if it has like that, like that old 80s vibe in a small town, small city. Um, and it's just got that creepy feel. You know, I'd definitely be interested if I could do something on that level. So when this movie came around, I was like, all right, I think I'm going to I'm going to do I'm going to do that for this movie and make it where it's, it's going to be like a universal pictures where they could turn this into becoming like a what are you afraid of roller coaster ride or a, 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 a horror a horror theme at, at, at Halloween Horror Night. Um, so I feel like this is probably like that genre I didn't think I was going to venture into until I start really thinking of the bigger picture of like how big I can make this this become. Man, I love uh, the Halloween series. The Halloween series is great because it's like, it's not overacting, it's not underacting, it's just perfect. Like, he gets to the point, Michael Myers does not talk. He does his little stat slasher thing and gets in and gets out. But I definitely want to see a great black film, you know, or something like that from a right. black director, man. And I think you can do it. I think you can yeah. do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I love like for example, like I did like uh, Get Out. Jordan Peele's doing his thing with his, uh, you know, taking that lane of that horror lane right now, um, especially being a black uh, filmmaker and actor producer. But I was like, man, let me take it and add a little bit different sauce to it. Um, let me let me add that. L let's just see what what would it look like if if uh, if uh, um, Steven Spielberg and John Singleton got together and did a horror movie. Like, what would that look like? So if I could take like that, that grungy side of like the hood and and like, you know, like that culture side and mix it with the with the not the white side, but, you know, just more of like that, you know, Steven Spielberg or that E.T. vibe or that Jurassic Park vibe and combine it to man, that could be a big picture. You right. know what I'm saying? So. Right, man, that could be amazing. Like 
you know, it's so crazy because the thing about it is, is that everybody think you nuts until it works. You know, everybody think like, well, why do you do this or why do you try that? Or, you know, and that's why you got to protect your dream and protect your goals. And you can't share it with everybody because even the people closest to you, they won't yeah. get it. You know, they don't get it. you yeah. just got to like go for it, man. How do you like yeah. protect your mind from that negative energy? Like, hey, I can't even like pay attention to that or I don't tell everybody my plans. What do you do when you like got a plan and you don't really want to hear it from certain people? Or do you have some people where you try to run it by them and see what they think? Um, Man, that'd be the thing. I think I had a conversation with this with myself because I got like some employees in my head um, where we have meetings and shit. And I was like, yo, um, some, sometimes it's not good to tell your ideas to, to, to people because it's at that point you trying to look for um, – I mean, you can you can rely on their their opinions, but their opinions really don't mean nothing because they haven't executed what you got in your head and what what's in your head is meant for you to actually create and put out whether it's good or bad. And I think I told my son this earlier. I uh, was like, don't create stuff for other people what they like because they're gonna change it, and it's never gonna be perfect because you you might make it for this person, but that person don't like it. Now when they say they don't like it, you you down and you feel like it, it sucks. Just make it for what you like and how you like it, and just do it on on what you believe. And I think that's what I, you know, how I treat myself is like, I just, you know, because I know, I know the level is is definitely past that industry standard level or whatever I'm going to create and do is going to be on that next level. So that level is already far. If I, if I achieve it, I can make it, I could do it. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be good enough for the world. Uh, even, even better. Like the movie I made with Ron Nixon, you assume we had a budget of probably like 2.5 million. We filmed through 23 locations, had over a hundred actors, Got action scenes, car scenes, fight scenes, uh, blow up scenes. Um, I mean, Ron Nixon's impactful with just like so much stuff. You you know, the budget was was under sixty k, but you assume like the budget was like two million. So it's like if I told people when I did tell people about like making this movie at that budget, you know, they said it's not going to work. There's no way in the world you're going to be able to make this script for that for that amount of money. And I did it. So it's like, what's the purpose of telling people when at the end of the day, they, they opinion, they they thoughts don't even matter what matters is what you believe in and how you, you know, if you really believe it, if it is what it is. And that's, that's the the bottom line. So for me, I, I might consult a little bit with my wife about, you know, certain things before I get into it. But um, my father taught me this. He was like, try to go to the end result or whatever you want to create and just see what that looks like uh, mentally. And, um, and if you could kind of paint the steps of how to get there, then just, just be uh, proactive and make it happen. Man. And that's just so important. And what you said, like, it's so important. I felt you, man, I felt you completely when you say you had meetings with yourself and your own employees in your head. Cause you really, everybody needs to create that for themselves. Like, Hey, let me get this pep talk. This my guy over here. He going to get me motivated. This my guy. He going to keep it real. And this my guy when I just want to have fun, man. So it's like, Hey, we going to have a meeting. We going to have some quiet time and we going to figure this thing out. Because like you said, like, no, but like if somebody told you like, hey, I got this, I'm going to create it, I'm going to put all these things on it, and I'm going to call it Apple or iPhone, you'd be like, yo, what Crazy. is this dude? Like, yeah. is he smoking crap? Like, yo, I, you, are you going to call it a fruit? You're going to call a <laughs> phone a fruit? A fruit. Yeah, that don't even sound right. It's going to do all these cool things and all that. What do I need a flashlight for on my phone? Why do I oh, need that? Right. Why do I need yeah. these things? So it's like, he could have been like, yo, you right. I, 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 you right. I, I, I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't do it. You right. 
But if you have the pep talk with yourself, like you go to your boy in your head, like, yo, that shit is tight, bro. Like that shit, you should go with it. Then you're going to yeah. win because like everybody thinks it's crazy until it works. Until, until it, it works. works. Like that is, nah. I love that you said that. I love that you said that. Yeah, nobody believes nothing until until you know everyone is cheering for it and 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 seeing it seeing it actually there. It's just that's crazy about the world. Like like ninety nine percent of the world is is kind of lost in the sauce until you know that one percent actually develops whatever it is for the ninety nine percent. So it's like I know I'm on that one percent level. So it's like I, there's no purpose for me to be uh looking for spectators on the ninety nine when at the end of the day as soon as you create it. There's a market for everything. I mean, if you look around at my room and your room, all these products, everything was literally created from my idea. So if someone didn't create that Crenshaw t-shirt or Nipsey didn't create that Crenshaw t-shirt, you would never have it. Right. So there's no purpose to think about what anybody got to think. Yeah. Just create it. Yeah, because people could be like, yo, you going to take the logo from like Crenshaw High School? Like, that's corny, bro. Like, no, nah, actually it's genius. And I'm about to take this thing to a whole nother level. Like his mind with like, and then giving people opportunity, he would meet a guy that going to develop this technology. He was making it interactive to a store in the hood where if you come and take your phone and scan something, it could show you everything he's about to work on. You could download his music and pay for it. You could do his mind was so far gone, but all these people probably was like, nah, don't do it. So man, for you and that confidence and for your brain, it's like that's why because you know already it's like with them ideas you got to protect it sometimes because then you got to be willing to look at the person you love the most in the face and they completely disagree with you and you completely disagree with them but you love them regardless you can't you can't hold grudges you know you can't be like yo no i remember when you said that it's like nah bro god bless glad you like it and but you all you can remember it but you can't be bitter and you can't be mad like I tell family that all the time, like, bro, when you make it to that level, don't shit on nobody. Just shake their hand, and that's going to be the coldest shit ever. That's going to be like slapping them in the face, like, hey, you know, God bless you. You didn't believe in me, but it's okay. But you don't say it. You let your work do the talking for yourself. That's it, yeah. Yeah, man. Man, we could talk for hours, man, but I guess just the last thing for you, well, one of the last things, uh, for that person that's creating and down on themselves and like, you know, is about to move back home or do something like you did, man. What can you say to them? What motivation can you give them to keep going in whatever it is they doing? Uh, I mean, like for me, it was like, it's, it's, it's obviously a time for, for, you know, whoever you believe in, if it's God or whoever you believe in for, 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 for them to say, like, you know, you got to look at what you, what you, what you going through. Um, you know, not saying anyone's doing anything bad at that moment or why they got pushed pushed back down to ground zero, but it's just like you gotta look at really how did you how did you get there? What 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 caused that effect and to and to really open up your mind to, to take better actions on your on your on your movements, your judgment. I mean, you know, for me it was a financial issue where I was spending more money trying to look like I was I was living that life versus actually putting, you know, investing into what I really believed in. So that was my life learning lesson, which I had you know, handle my finances better. Uh, but then at the same time, it was like, what was I doing that I really should have been doing, but that I wasn't doing? I was like, damn, I, w- I wasn't really doing what I really love to do. 
You know what I'm saying? So I think, like, for me, God put me through a lot of different ups and downs and challenges, having a lot of money to having no money to having this and having that. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, once a, once the fog is clear, like, what is that real? What am I really here on earth to really do? Um, so I think them times, if anybody experiencing the worst times, is really is an eye opener for you just to really look around whether there's someone uh, next to you that might be stopping you that you're hanging out with every day and you bullshitting with every day. It's like, you know, that's why you're there. And you got to open your eyes and really look at, you know, the real shit that's really going on or why you're in that position and, and ask yourself, like, you know, what's the real goal? Why, why am I really on earth? What am I really, you know, here to do what I really love in and want to spend that time with and be consistent in? And then once you kind of figure that out, it's like, then it's like, you got to really take action and take them steps and just take a simple pen and paper and just write it down. Step one, where, you know, write the goal, the end goal. And what is it going to take to get this? It's really simple, man. It's like, and I feel like people complicate things and overthink it where it's like, it's too, it's too, it's whether they got a big idea or big dream is too far fetched. It's like, it's really not, it's just being consistent and then just taking those little steps, um, you know, it's like it's like if you got to wake up and put on clothes, it's like that's what you got to do. Wake up, take a shower, get dressed, put on your clothes and then do your next step. But then people stop right there. Then the whole rest of the day be bullshit for them. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you really got to take your life on as a journey and, and, and create these different missions. And that's what I like to do for myself. It's always like I'd rather spend less time bullshitting and more time focusing on the mission and the goal um, and, 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 and blocking out. A lot of people. That's what it really takes, man. I block out a lot of people. I don't. I don't really take phone calls for nobody because I'm. I'm very dedicated and focused. And, and people even know that. Like if you call my phone and I didn't answer, it says, "Yo, this guy directs. I'm working on my run, my movie, Ryan Nixon. I got it playing in the background, so you know exactly what's going on. Like I'm focused. So that's the biggest thing. Is like people gotta like once you once you fall ground zero, it's like it's just you. No matter what, it's just you at the end of the day. Um, I got someone on set that went homeless uh, from, you know, not working with me, but he lost everything and, and he had a girl. And I was like, no matter what, bro, it's, you got to figure out you, you got to get you focused and, and what, what you're trying to do in life. And, and God puts everybody in certain positions. You got to open up your eyes and really pay attention and figure out how to move forward. Man, I believe that, man. And what we do when we get out of here, man, we speak it to existence this yeah. time next year, skies direct, man. What's going to be going on in your life this time next year? Uh, what are we in, May? No, this April or March. So this time, uh, so it's already kind of set in stone. Like, um, um, I'm finishing up Run Nixon right now. Uh, I'll be filming uh, What Are You Afraid Of in two months from now. Uh, so I'll have both movies ready to go for the film festivals, which is next year. Uh, so I'll be going to... Um, um, like the Canes, uh, Tribeca, ABF, which is American Black Film Festival, uh, Sundance, which is in Utah in, uh, around this time. Um, so the goal is to get two of these movies done before uh, September this year, uh, get them in submission to the film festivals for next year, and then next year be at all the film festivals, winning all the awards, getting all the, you know, the praise that, that was that was greatly uh, uh, worked for. And then, um, and then just working on the next bigger picture. I got an app coming out called Let's Film It, which is a casting app. Uh, I believe that's going to be real big because right now there's no solid casting app to use. And I'll be using it for myself and for my own movies to, to launch it. Um, so that will be next year. That should be a, a big app that everybody should be using uh, to do their castings for to find new, new, new great talent. Um, so movies, tech, uh, um, just helping out, you know young creators like myself, get them in position so they can create, do they do what they love, open up a big studio in Hollywood. 
and uh, keep cranking out these movies, doing these big ass deals with these uh, streaming platforms. Man, and this is recorded.